1: I will call upon you to do a service
0: for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blob Talk Radio.
0: Hello. Welcome. It's that time again. It's Thursday night when we do the show live at 5 o'clock on the West Coast. 8 o'clock Eastern Time. I'm Jason. This is Witches, Whiskey, and Wit. I'd often want to call it Whiskey, Witches, and Wit because sometimes I get a little lost and think that the whiskey is the main event of the show, perhaps more so than the witchcraft. I'm coming to you just a few days after Lunasa Lamas, the, I don't know, not favorite of the four greater sabbats. If you celebrated, I hope you had a great time. I hope you did something meaningful that meant something to you a little tough here, you know, at the homestead here in Northern California. Had some stuff growing in the garden, but wasn't quite ready to harvest yet. That would have been like a meaningful llamas had I been able to take that kind of stuff in. But it just didn't happen. I think I started a little too late. That's fine. It happens. But it would have been really cool, like, to have my green beans for dinner. didn't help that the wife was on call all weekend which really changes things. My guest tonight is Matt Oren. I'm waiting for Matt to get into the show. Hopefully that will be sooner rather than later. As I wait for Matt, a little update about things in Jason world, Uh, writing a couple of books right now, not one book. You know, not two books, but kind of three books, probably because I hate myself in some way. The first of those is called The Witch's Book of Magic, and it is a magical practice for witches. And I'm writing it with my wife, Ari, our friends, Matt and Amanda, who are part of our covens here in California. So it's very exciting. There's going to be over 100 spells in that book. When can you expect to see this book? 2022. That's how long this shit takes. You know, it's like, why even tell people that it's coming? But you do, because that's how it rolls. Aha. Well, then, we're having some problems with Matt. That's one of the things that is always great uh, about this show is it's all live. Yeah, so you get to see all of the problems. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Matt's phone is dead. Oh, we're going to do this. Oh. Try to send something to Matt to, he's like, you know, when you you'd work on this stuff, right? You do all this shit. And you, you know, oh, God, I hate I hate the problems. I think it's fun for probably you because you get to listen to me, like, flail around. But it's still so frustrating sometimes. Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. I think I, I got it. figuring it out. You know, it's fun. It's fun this way. Lots of problems. You know, we'll figure it out. We'll get Matt here. We'll get Matt here. Uh Aha. There's Matt. You know, you know what's really crazy is? I'm listening like i I'm seeing Matt show up in my queue and then I hear my wife's footsteps at the same time. So it's like greatness arriving together.
1: <laughs> hey Jason.
0: Hey, I've I've miss you. I haven't talked to you in so long.
1: I know, it
0: feels like forever. Well, I mean every day feels like a year during COVID nineteen. <laughs> I think last time I talked to you, I know the last time I saw you was PantheaCon, and that was in February, and that was pretty exciting, you know, just just to see you and your newfound fame and glory there at PantheaCon, <laughs> Well, old farts like myself <laughs> were just cast to the side. No, oh, you... never. Psychic Witch has been incredibly... Successful. What are you on, like your 15th printing or something? I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I knew I knew you. I know how good you are at marketing. I've read your book. I know how good the book is. You know, I know that you have a following of people who respect your work and pay attention. I mean, I thought that it would do really well. But, you know, this was like, whoa, like even more than I thought. Have you been surprised by how the book's been received?
1: yeah yeah um thank you by the way for all the the nice words um yeah it's doing better than i thought especially because of the pandemic and you know all of my um gigs i had lined up for the summer to like promote it essentially being trashed so um luckily it's it's done amazing despite that
0: yeah i was talking to another a writer but it was a first name, A. You know, Estrella Taylor, whose Intuitive Witchcraft came out about the same time your book came out, maybe a little bit later. And she was all freaked out about, oh, it's going to fail because everybody's stuck inside and I won't be able to promote the book, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, the cream always rises to the top. But also, like, what else are people going to do other than read books, right? Maybe, Maybe this was really good for writers it's not fortunate for anybody but maybe at least it was good for writers
1: yeah i mean that's definitely a possibility um i mean i guess this is the ideal time to read as you're saying
0: hello yeah we lost you there for a second ah Sorry the tides of the bay like to like push around cell phone signals and things. It is what it is. Uh, um,
1: but yeah, Um, in case I cut out. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess there's nothing uh, else to do other than read and, you know, watch TV and be on the internet. So I guess it is kind of ideal. Um, and yeah, yeah. I love uh, uh, intuitive witchcraft. It's a great book. I have a little, little thing in there about the imagination. Um, and I think it's actually a really good um, pairing with my book.
0: Well, it was kind of funny because I think I read them both at about the same time. Like <laughs> she said, she sent me that at the same time that you sent me yours, you know, I, I was, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. Pardon me for feeling this way, but anytime anybody who writes a Pavios gets a book deal, like there's just this little proud part of my heart You know, I'm sure Devin feels it for you, too, like that. But, I mean, you know, it's just I'm so happy for my friends to have written great books and to have their books be so well-received. You know, it gives me warm fuzzies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I owe
1: a lot to you. Um, The being able to write for Patheos was a huge step in my career. And, um, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking, I think – My One of my very first interviews, if not the first, was actually here with you.
0: Yeah, uh, that was like two years ago on the old show. Now I get drunk during the show, so it's a completely different (laughs) dynamic than it was before. But it's a pandemic. (laughs) What am I supposed to do, be fucking sober? Don't think so. (laughs) Geez. You know, yeah, I need to, like, dig all those out one day and, like, put those back online. But, yeah, I think it was pretty early. I remember I kind of... Saw you online, but I didn't really know you. And then you were doing this gigantic interview of all kinds of people for a blog post. I think, and that post was like eight thousand words or something. By the time it was over, it, it almost read it like a, a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I was like immediately drawn to you um, because of all that. You know, it's like I love, I love this guy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, it, it's funny too, because like the topic at the time was like, ooh, and now it's just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, we we bind Trump, <laughs> like, like, because it was all about like cursing and hexing and its relationship to um, politics, you know. Um, and I got a lot of really interesting, like, mixed feedback for that, um, but now it's you know just common discussion among witches.
0: You know, it's been really interesting to watch witchcraft trends, especially the last five or six years. And you and I talk a lot about history, and I know that you're interested in it, like kind of like I am. Uh, But, you know, it used to be like 10 years ago, and I know I'm a little older than you. I'm a lot older than you. I'm such an old fart. But, you know, it was like nobody cursed or hexed. I mean, it was like, You know, if somebody did, they kind of kept it a secret and stuff. Everybody was nervous about saying anything like that. And now it feels like it's really out in the open. I think Trump had a lot to do with that. I think uh, being able to see the racial injustices in the United States, the Me Too movement, I mean, I think we're just more cognizant of all the horrible shit that happens in the country. But it just seems like it has made sort of more aggressive forms of witchcraft fashionable. Am I on the right path with that, or do you think it was always there? Um,
1: I mean, I, I think you're absolutely correct in its at least visibility. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure these things were always happening, um, just perhaps not talked about, especially by people in a position of, like, leadership or authorship or, you know, um, teaching. But, you know, I also, you know, I kind of want the pendulum to swing back a little bit the other way, um, (laughs) just because, you know, I'm not pro just cursing like crazy. Um, I wrote the foreword to uh, Kate Fuller's book that just came out of Blood and Bone, and uh, cursing and hexing is a big chunk of that, and what I write in the introduction is how refreshing it is that someone is teaching it, but like responsibly. Um, And explaining that, yes, there are repercussions to those forms of magic, Um, because I come across a lot of people who, you know, say, like, oh, there is no backlash for cursing, especially cursing over, you know, really petty stuff like being offended or jealous or something like that. And it's interesting because, you know, I observe these people, you know, that say that and their lives are kind of a mess and it's sort of like they're not putting the two together. And, I, you know, it could be like a chicken and the egg type thing, you know, like, right. um, w- was their life exploding? And then that led to, like, the hexing everything? Or um, did the hexing kind of lead to everything else falling apart? I think, you know, um, with a lot of the way that people interpreted uh, ideas of the Wiccan and Reed and the Threefold Law, um, they saw it as, like, literally coming back the same way three times. Um, and I don't think that magic, um, you know, so, um, you know, it's not like the craft where, you know, they they do their curses <laughs> right. and then they get that exact curse back times three. And I think, you know, um, sometimes we see from an outsider point of view, we can see clearly that like, you know, someone's life is falling apart, you know, um, and they aren't necessarily putting that connection together. But I think that goes into the whole topic of justified cursing and justified working. And if it is justified or if it's not justified, Um, because I can't, I, you know, while I don't necessarily adhere to the idea of a threefold rule in the way that, you know, most people interpret it, I don't think you can separate yourself from the magic that you cast. And
0: it's obviously going to affect your life. Well, you know, I think there aren't a whole lot of rules when it comes to magic, but one of those rules is like attracts like, and if all you do is throw curses, all you do is negative magic. You're going to attract negativity into your life. Like attracts like, you know, you you can't, yeah, you, you just can't live being completely uh, petty and pissed off all the time. You, there has to be something right. more.
1: Yeah, right. The and threefold- even if it's
0: not magical,
1: it's the same. You know, just being, right. you know, a shitty person
0: like attracts shitty things to you. Yeah, and other shitty people to be a part of your orbit. The threefold law exactly. is one of those things that drives me crazy because it's it's misattributed to Wiccans. Because, you know, everything gets misattributed to Wiccans. You know, we're easy to punch these days, I guess. But all Gardner (laughs) ever said was, if somebody does good for you, you should return it threefold. He never said there was like some sort of mechanism of cosmic justice out there in the world that would return things to you three times if you did something bad or something good. All it says is that you should return if it's given to you three times. So somebody gives you a dollar, right. you could give out three $1 bills or something equivalent to that. And people have really just taken that then completely different in wrong directions. And it's really frustrating sometimes. Yeah. You know what? Gonna... I
1: think about the. Oh, okay, go right though. ahead, So. Yeah, I, I think that's you know like I don't mind people believing that you know if they do something negative that it's going to come back to them times three because I kind of feel like it's um, like a a safety on a gun you know like I rather people not be shooting people um, than you know shooting indiscriminately.
0: So I mean, the Wicked Read always gets a lot of bad press, but. You know, maybe it's a pretty good idea when you're just starting out not to try anything that really is going to have uh, humongous consequences. I mean, it's not a bad idea to be nice to other people. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned Kate Fuller's book, and she didn't ask me to blurb her book or to write forward to it. You know, so there's a part of me that's breaking inside. But, you know, I'll get over it. Uh-huh. But how is it is it is it good i haven't mean, i haven't gotten a, whole, a copy of it yet so i you know i just want your opinion yeah yeah i mean i
1: loved it enough to do a forward uh when i was approached by heather um cuz heather was the one who asked me to write the forward. I had no idea who this person was. Um, I had never heard of Kate. So I gave kind of like a, you know, I'll consider it, like, let me read it and uh, decide if I like it or not enough to endorse it to put it forward. Um, and I grew to love it. Um, I think, you know, it addresses a lot of the things that You know, uh, witches, especially, you know, if they're newer to the craft, may be apprehensive or things that may be seen as kind of more taboo or darker, but it's presented in a really responsible uh, fashion. So, you know, not just the idea of, like, cursing and stuff like that, but there's also a lot of, like, working with animal remains and working with, um, like, uh, uh, personal concerns, you know, um, stuff that's a little bit... um, stranger Um, but she does it in you know a way that's very considerate of you know like where things come from you know like what is the responsibility that you as a witch have um, when engaging in these uh, practices and then she provides a lot of really um, great practices with them
0: and so you read a lot of books I'm always amazed at how many books you review it's slowed down now that you're writing books and it is it's really yeah. hard when you start writing books to keep up on everything else trust me it makes right. me crazy too uh, but what are your five favorite or perhaps most influential witchcraft books oh my god i know um, it's really an unfair question isn't it <laughs> so
1: um i mean it would probably be easier name the five that influenced my book. Um, (laughs) But like my craft as a whole, that's such a harder question. Um, You know, especially when there's things like, you know, um, uh, Silver Ravenwolf, like not one book really like like the whole it's like a whole series package you know that's influential same same with like penzac you know so it's hard to like really pinpoint like a specific uh book and five is like um yeah that's an unfair question jason
0: (laughs) I, i i i like you know, I, I like putting people on the spot. And I've done enough podcasts now that people seem to enjoy putting me on the spot. So, I mean, I feel like I have to give back. <laughs> but, I mean, you just read so much. So what are the five that influenced your book the most? That's, I mean, that's pretty fair. Um, so they're pretty obvious, and they're cited in
1: my book. And there's a lot of, like in the acknowledgements, I mentioned them. Um, so uh, Christopher Penzack's Inner Temple of Witchcraft was a huge influence um, in my acknowledgement. I even say that my book is sort of a love letter to that book. Um, and then uh, Power of the Witch by Lori Cabot, which is sort of the grandmother of both of our books.
0: Um,
1: right. And then um, Silver Ravenwolf*'s, particularly her mind, uh, uh, mind light, which was kind of in a similar vein. So it's her book that's less about like magic with tools, but it's more about like the magic of your mind. Um, and then probably so that's three, right? Um, right. Four is definitely Evo Dominguez's Evo Dominguez Jr. I always forget the Jr. Um, his Keys of Perception, which is uh, was such a refreshing book to read on psychic ability. And um, had a huge impact on, you know, like how I viewed things, just like anything that Evo says or writes. He's brilliant. Um, yes. And then obviously Devin Hunter's uh, Witch's Book of Power uh, was a huge influence on that book, as well as my craft in general.
0: So one of the things that I think people often don't realize about witchcraft, if you go back and you read the early books about modern witchcraft, the Gerald Gardner books, there's uh, one called Witchcraft, the Sixth Sense by a writer named Justine Glass that came out in the 60s. They talk a lot about psychic development. It seems to be like a really important point in about, I don't know, like the first 20, 15 years of modern witchcraft writing. And then it kind of goes away.
1: And just disappeared.
0: Yeah, it's so weird to me, like, this thing that covens were built around in 1955 by 1975 is completely absent. So I'm sure, you know, I know that you've done, you've looked at some of the history of that. Do you have any theories as to why that went away? And one of the things I love about your book is that you're bringing it back, too. I love it when we all go full circle, but that's not really a question. (laughs) It's just, you know, me adoring you. So, okay. Okay. Um, you
1: know, I'm not sure. Um, You know, I think it may be a cultural thing. Um, You know, I think um, I I think it's so I've written and I talked a bit about the glamoury of witchcraft because witchcraft has an aesthetic and it always has. And people who say that it's something new, like they're completely wrong. It's just different. Um, You know, if you look at the 70s, there was definitely a witch aesthetic. Um, If you look at like, Gardner and his peers, they had their own witch aesthetic. Um, but I think that, like, the trappings, the, the physical, um, sensory aspects of spell crafting, because it's beautiful, you know, um, spells can be a really beautiful, moving experience. Um, and I think trying to make that in a very consumable uh, fashion for people has left out a lot of the heavier... Um, energy lifting foundations Um, so I mean that's just kind of my theory Um, I really don't know but I do definitely notice that like it just disappears Um, you know we have uh, even before you know Um, well, I don't know if it came out before Justine Glass's book or not, but like um, Doreen Valiente in Natural Magic, like she goes on and on about the power of the mind, you know, um, and psychic processes and stuff of that nature. And even if you look at like um, influences on the modern craft, um, you know, like uh, hermeticism and Rosicrucian and um, all these different, like, like Golden Dawn, like they're, is an emphasis on, you know, building these um, psychic abilities, these uh, 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 these uh, ways of manipulating and perceiving energy that just sort of disappears. And then we're given this idea of just intent, which I hate intent. I hate the word. Um, really? And I, I love yeah, I intent. Hate, I hate intent. Why
0: do um, you
1: hate Intent. Because intent doesn't mean anything; it just means wishing. I can intend to cross the street every day. It doesn't mean I'm going to cross the street. What so word would you, I, you know, place it with? Will. Will. Um, be- because I think it takes a will to, you know, literally cross the street. And then, you know, um, in occultism, you know, in our history, will then takes on greater. Uh, meaning and form, you know, especially when you uh, go back to, like, Crowley and stuff of that nature. Um, for me, intent is very um, wishy-washy, um, whereas will, it feels more like, um, like unwavering resolve. You know, and like you can intend things, you know, like what is that expression? Like uh, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. You know, right. you can intend things and they can blow up in your face. Um, I just see intent as, uh, like I said, wishy-washy and it doesn't feel very focused. It doesn't feel very um, honed in. So I, I think will is a much stronger word than intent although I know sometimes people do use intent in the way that I use will but um, you know when people say intention is everything like I think that's kind of a crap cop out that is not going to necessarily give you the results that you
0: want. Well I do think there was like this push in the 1970s especially after the kind of rub of Crowley wore off to sort of distance witchcraft from having anything to do with Crolyana and you know you know I mean and Will was sort of the driving force of his magical philosophy so if you want to distance yourself from Crowley then you have to distance yourself from that word and intent I guess kind of sounds similar it has the same idea I, I do think sometimes especially in beginning witchcraft books we want to dumb things down we want to make them as simple as possible And explaining the magical will is a little bit more challenging than using the word intent, which we all know what it is. We all know pretty much what that means, but you do bring up just how ambiguous intent can be. I'm really fascinated by this, Matt, and you make me want to rewrite the introduction to my next book. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was one of my um,
1: challenges, and I do talk about will and Um, you know the difference between will and true will in my book Um, but you know one of my challenges with my book was I wanted to write a book that was friendly for beginners but that wasn't dumbed down and that wasn't like talking down to people that was still easy to follow and easy to understand but also gave something of depth to people who um, perhaps you know they're not beginners or perhaps you know They're uh, seasoned in witchcraft, but maybe need to develop that psychic side more or vice versa. Um, So that was uh, probably one of the most difficult things in writing the book. Um, But hopefully I achieved that.
0: You know, I think we're sort of living in a golden age of witchcraft publishing. And I don't think people appreciate it as much as maybe they should. I mean, books are different now than they used to be. There are so many more of them. One book just doesn't capture the zeitgeist like Spiral Dance did in 1979 or Drawing Down the just because there are so many more options. But, you know, we live in this great era of really kind of specialized books that just didn't exist 15 years ago. I think your book is a perfect example of this. It's written that anybody can pick it up and start right away. But if you've been practicing for 20 years or whatever it is, there are still new things to learn in the book. There are still things that are going to improve your craft. And that's really hard to do. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was my goal. So hopefully I did achieve that. I, I was, I mean, I wasn't like actively watching you write the book or anything, but you know, we, we do share notes and stuff. A lot of us writers and things, um, what was your biggest challenge writing the book? Because I, th- I know that it was not always, like, the smoothest ride while yeah. you were putting it all together.
1: Um, well, one of the challenges was, um, you know, this is something that I've been teaching workshops for years on, uh, the material in my book, as well as stuff that I've been trained on. But in the way that I would teach it as well as train it, um, it's not very linear. Um, You know, so there's a lot of going back and forth and back and forth. And so I had to take um, these teachings and then be able to make it kind of a step-by-step thing where it builds on each other without, you know, um, this going back and forth so much. So that was very, very uh, challenging. Um, uh, There was also – I don't think people realize um, that Llewellyn – fact checks as much as they do um you know i know other publishers don't particularly bigger publishers that are not witchcraft and pagan focused um but there were some things like you know um uh, alicia and my other editor had me like going through like medical journals (laughs) and shit like that to like be able to like cite what i'm saying um which was great you know um it, but it was definitely um challenging uh because i also you know um i don't want to uh you know be one of those like pseudoscience authors where you know i'm you know saying that magic can be completely explained through quantum physics or some shit like that you know um but you know there are certain things particularly in relation to how the mind works that um i was able to research and cite you know stuff like neuroplasticity and um like pavlov's dog and stuff like that so uh,
0: you bring up that a point about llewellyn fact checking and i think that a lot of people especially people on generation X and especially baby boomers who were burned by books like Witta in Irish pagan tradition, or perhaps anything published by DJ Conway do not believe that these books are fact-checked in any way, or that the that the editors of Llewellyn actually know what they're talking about when they, you know, edit a book and, you know, Accept a book for publication. Right. Why are people so stuck in this picture of Llewellyn from 1996?
1: I, you know, well, I, I part of it is I think because Llewellyn was such a historical influence on the craft, um, and particularly around that time, and I think that's just kind of what has stuck with people. Um, so, you know, like you, people think of like DJ Conway and I don't mean that as like an insult to our work, but like, you know, like we've all read Celtic magic <laughs> and we've all read, magic, book. which is like yeah. the same book. Um, and there's a lot of like really bad history, um, And I think we also know more than we did then. Um, you know, now we have historians and scholars that are like actively researching and debating things. Um, so I I think it's just sort of, we know more. Um, and I think also, um, our standard as a community has raised for sure. Um, to be able to like be accurate and um, be historical and um, not just be something we've made up in our claiming is like an ancient, you know, Celtic tradition.
0: But I, I can trace my tradition back to <laughs> like, yeah, right. I can, I can trace it back to the fifties or the thirties if I try really hard. Uh, speaking of traditions, you know, I'm not going to bring up, the question that I always want to ask you, when are you being initiated into Gardnerian witchcraft? Because, you know, the uh, offer is on the table. We we keep waiting. You know, uh, one day. Uh, just,
1: I I, I didn't know if I would have time
0: for it. Just you bring Devin, like we'll do the two of you at the same time, <laughs> Ari and I. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get any better than Ari in the circle. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, well, it, if I was to do BTW, it would probably be with you. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that as a win, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm planning to be around for a while, and I think you are too, so maybe, maybe we'll get to it. You are a member, though, of the Black Rose School of Witchcraft. Um, mm-hmm. You're also a, a part of the Covenant of Hecate. What do you get out of those traditions? Do you recommend others to be a part of traditions? Um, yeah,
1: i mean i'm I'm part of more traditions than that. Um, but yes, so like I think there is something to formal training, um, and you know, being part of something where there is a group mind and there is, you know, kind of an agreed upon uh, way to conduct oneself uh, with others. Um, And there's a community aspect, particularly with like, um, for example, the Temple of Witchcraft uh, when I was in New England. Um, You know, there's a huge community aspect that I think people miss out on um, when they're solitary. Um, You know, I, I actually think the term solitary is kind of stupid because I think every witch is solitary, even if they're in a group or a coven or a tradition. For sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's always what we do as individuals. And then if you're a part of a coven, there's what you do with a group, but you don't stop doing things on your own just because you're right. in a coven. Yeah. We're all solitary to some degree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you, know, I just um, you know, and I'm not saying
1: everyone should be part of a tradition, um, but, you know, I think, I think it's good. And I think it's good to learn from people who are trained in this and are seasoned and aren't just, you know, uh, you know teaching something they've read from a meme and then putting it on TikTok.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we're living in such a (laughs) rapid era of change when it comes to how we send information. You know, there doesn't seem to be any good way uh, for anybody to guarantee good information. I don't think it matters with witchcraft as much as other people do. But some people, like, make a big deal of it, especially anybody who, I don't know, wants to have a temple or something and have other people pay for their lives, you know. Yeah. It's, well, a, it's a it's yeah. You know. Yeah, no, I
1: but, mean my whole thing is like I don't really give a fuck what other people do. Like it doesn't affect yeah. my own craft. If you're my own student, then there's a difference. If you're my student, then I'm going to make sure that you understand what I'm teaching and um, try to be as accurate as possible. But, like, when it comes to your own craft, do whatever the hell you want. Like, it has no effect on myself. I think a lot of people are hung up on how – people who take on the mantle of witch somehow reflect them since they take on the mantle of witch. Um, but, you know, going back to the idea of solitary, one of the things, one of my favorite things of, um, Andrew Chumbly is his whole idea of, um, the lonely road, you know, like all of us are on a lonely road when it comes to witchcraft. We're the ones who experience, you know, the profound mysteries on our own. We're the ones who experience birth and death alone. Um, and so if, you know, your witchcraft looks nothing like mine, and I disagree with it, um, if you can get it to work, if you find something from it, like, more power to you.
0: It's, it always just feels like everybody's so hung up on what other people do. And thank you for saying it doesn't fucking matter what other people do. All you can do is what you do and be responsible for yourself and do the things that work best for you. And, yeah. you know, we all have kind of responsibilities for others in a way, but, you know, i go ahead, TikTok witches, do whatever the fuck that you want. I, I don't care. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't right. understand it, but that's that's fun. The craft has always been kind of a constant movement and a constant change. The only thing that I'm uh, concerned
1: about or, um, apprehensive about i don't i don't know what word i would use is um i like as a cultist particularly witches but occultists in general we come from a lineage we come from a history we you know this stuff did not appear out of a out of thin air particularly a lot of our practices and a lot of our ideas and beliefs and um i worry about people losing that people forgetting that people not knowing you know, who Doreen Valiente was, Um, people not knowing, you know, who Crowley really was. Um, Because, you know, I see a lot of things um, uncredited. Um, And I think, you know, honoring those who came before us and trying to learn from those who came before us is something that is important. Um, But when it comes to how you practice, like, I don't really care if You know, it may not be what I'm teaching, but like I said, more power to you if you can get it to work and you get something out of it.
0: Do you notice you're really active on social media and you're really a little bit (laughs) and you're really good at social media. You know, I've always thought that, you know, if I could put somebody in charge of pagan social media, you know, it would be you. You do a much better job than I ever could. Do you notice disconnects uh, between the generations in Absolutely. the witchcraft world and the occult world?
1: Absolutely. Um, and that was um, a big part of um, the marketing of my book. And, um, you know, my vision for the cover and stuff of that nature was um, I wanted it to appeal to the younger generation that, um doesn't have access to that information and our teachers and our history and stuff of that nature. Um, just because, you know, like a lot of uh, the books they're gravitating to are, um, you know, the really pretty Instagram books. Um, but a lot of them are poorly cited. Um, right. A lot of them, you know, it seems like they're just like, like the author has, you know, made it up themselves or that like it's been passed on, you know, the whole grandmother thing. Um, and like, that's just not true. Um, so, you know, a a lot of it was trying to kind of Trojan horse, um, (laughs) you know, um, our Mm -hmm. practices and our legacy and our history in a way that would be appealing to this younger generation, because um, there is a huge disconnect, um, you know, there, so like witchcraft and paganism outside of like, you know, the, the hard traditions, like the, um, I mean, hard as in like firmly rooted, like BTW and stuff like that, you know, a lot of our community has revolved around um, publishing houses like Wiser and Llewellyn, um, because they have been so crucial to our community but in the last maybe like 15 years especially um especially like the last like five years um a whole witchcraft community has popped up around us that has nothing to do with us um and so you know i wanted to find a way that i could try to bridge both of them and try to sort of you know lure you know, uh, people who would buy it because they think it's a pretty cover or, you know, there's a certain witch aesthetic to it and hopefully uh, provide them with tools in history that will have a profound effect on them and their craft.
0: You mentioned the bad history in some of these books and, you know, I don't like to pick on authors and and anything, Um, but somebody like Simon & Schuster who is publishing a lot of witchcraft Mm -hmm. books, they just don't have people who have lived in the witchcraft community for 20 years or whatever it is to edit those books. Do you ever worry that we're backsliding when it comes to matters of history and information? Uh, There was a very prominent witch author, high priestess, somebody whose books were really influential on me in the nineties, a terrific, terrific writer. And she wrote for a non-witch publishing house, and she wrote that wicca was thousands of years old and i'm like you you know fucking better than that and you right. put that in your book are we backsliding
1: you know i don't i don't know i mean i think we just have to write it out to find out um you know i do think definitely uh there's a lot of people um that i would say are you know, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but are unqualified to be writing and teaching what they are. Um, Not like the high priestess example that you are, but like, for example, someone has uh, a YouTube video on Wicca that goes viral. And then all of a sudden, you know, a publishing company outside of our traditional occult publishing companies give them a contract and all of a sudden they're put in this position of authority. Um, There's also another company that uses a lot of different, of fake names that uses algorithms to see what people are searching for. They used mind data and then they outline the whole book and then try to find an author to write it for them. Yeah. Um, and you know like some of these books are just um, so there's one I, I'm not naming names, but it was one of those like paint by number type books where in their definition of magic, they use the word supernatural and everything in me cringed. I was like, you know, Scott Cunningham's rolling in his grave right now. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I, I thought we've come so far from like trying to explain that magic isn't supernatural, that it's natural. Like that's one of the fundamental aspects of it. But you know, like if you can say it's supernatural, it's going to sell more books.
0: It feels like, and you mentioned this earlier, there are like kind of two different overlapping witch traditions today. There's the witchcraft that's kind of still related to the greater pagan community. We talk to other people, like we talk to Druids and things, uh, we know polytheists and, and other things. And we go to pagan festivals where there are lots of different traditions and stuff represented, but it feels like running parallel to that, but very seldom intersecting is this new generation of witches who are not connected to the classic modern pagan world. Their right. witchcraft doesn't seem to have anything to do with uh, deities or anything like that. It's spell work and maybe some savins. Are those people right. going to be long-term witches or are they just going to kind of fade away when this isn't popular anymore in another 10 years?
1: You, you know, it's hard to say. So, um, Like I said, um, so I view witchcraft as almost kind of like its own living spirit itself, right? Like kind of an animistic thing. And I think it uses aesthetic and trends to bring people in. Um, We see this in waves. And I think a lot of people will leave, you know, once it's not trendy anymore, but some people will thirst to dive deeper um you know i always reference myself because the generation that i am you know my first exposure to the craft was literally the movie the craft and then you know silver raven wolf's teen witch um which compared to her other work is very very you know baby down cuz it's meant for kids um you know and like there were so many people like me that also you know was drawn to those things who have no interest in it anymore so i think it's sort of like um, like witchcraft allures people with aesthetic and trends. And then, uh, you know, many will enter, few will win kind of a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I remember in the 90s, you know, that's when I came into the craft and the movie came out just a few years after I started practicing witchcraft. And, you know, you would read the magazines, which makes me feel like I'm a thousand and fifteen years old, <laughs> you know, about how the craft is killing the craft movie is killing witchcraft and stuff. And all these newbies are going to destroy paganism and probably most of them left, but those who stayed, you know, made a difference and became a part of the community and did shit. And they didn't, they certainly didn't ruin the craft. Right. And,
1: and that's, you know, like going back to like my motive behind, you know, this book and my, my vision for it, it was that it was, you know, understanding that, um, you know, there's a glamoury draw to witchcraft um, and that, you know, some of these people that we scoff at, um, we as in, you know, our pagan bubble community scoff at and look down at, like, these are people who are genuinely seeking, but they don't know where to find better information because they're just so disconnected from our community, you know, and that there is such a renaissance and explosion of books, like you were saying, that they don't know which ones are the good ones, you know, or that, you know, um, there's books that go deeper than, you know, some of these aesthetic books that are like pretty pictures and very basic, um, what we now call baby witches. Um, That's the term they use.
0: Um, yeah. That there's
1: material deeper and more advanced than that. So, you know, my my intent was for those who are genuinely seeking that to have a book that looks like one of those books um, that, like I said, is going to Trojan horse them into finding depth. And um, that's why one of the early advanced reviews was like, "Oh, the book is so name droppy." You know, because I reference where I learned things, and um, you know whether that's a book or whether that was uh, training with someone. And uh, you know, one part is just you know I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, the second part is you know I'm I'm leaving
0: breadcrumb trails for these people to follow, to learn more. Like here's Christopher Penzack, here's Lori Cabot, right? Yeah. Right. So- yeah. I'm I'm so old school though, like all my breadcrumbs are like here's Gerald Gardner, here's here's Robert Cochrane, oh if it came out well, after nineteen seventy two, I probably don't
1: care. Well that's in my book too. I mean like yeah. you know, there's Gerald Gardner, there's Aleister Crowley, there's uh Carl Jung, there's fucking Plato. You know, like <laughs> I have to dive into Plato if I'm gonna talk about a three soul model. Um you know, because that was like a central thing of his, um, you know, so like, I, I mean, but I think that's just kind of, you know, I draw inspiration from all witchcraft. Um, you know, I, I get as much from a Scott Cunningham book as I do Andrew Jumbly as I do. I, I would say as I do Crowley, but I'm finding so much like in Crowley, like actually reading it. Um, uh, like, the dude is genius. The dude is a uh, hella problematic, flawed human being, but as an occultist, I think he was absolutely
0: brilliant. That, that's awesome to to hear. If you were going to recommend someone new to Crowley, like, to read something by Crowley, where would you have them start? Um, for starting? Always been, um, I, that's always been a big I problem would, for me. Like, oh, like this is where you should start because most people, it's just difficult. And Crowley wrote to be difficult in a lot of places. Right, and I just
1: posted a a quote from the book that I'm about to recommend where Crowley is like, you know, in the past, and it's so funny because we still see this with a lot of um, authors in circles that I'm not naming names, Um, but, you know, he's like, you know, I tried to use really, you know, intellectual language and really lofty language, and unfortunately, it's attracted the wrong crowd, Um, you know, it's it's attracted, you know, snobs and people with ego and people purely seeking power, you know, Um, you know, but magic is for all. So the book that I would recommend as a very beginning entry way into Crowley would probably be a liber- um ABA, Liber ABBA, mm-hmm. which is uh, magic, particularly the fourth book and the fourth section, because it's like a huge collection. But magic in theory and practice is where I would start someone. Um, book of the law, I think, is genius, but I think it's not it, it's 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 hard for a beginner, particularly because there's um, a lot of uh, Egyptian uh, language, Um, specifically like he uses names for deities that are like more obscure than what they're normally called by people. Um, But... I, I don't know. I would start with Magic 4. Um, I would actually not even start with Crowley. I would start with uh, books on Crowley and books on Thelema and not by him because, you know, looking at people who have studied Thelema and have studied Crowley's work, trying to explain the basics, and then you can kind of get the cosmology and an understanding of the jargon, and so when you do read Crowley, you know, you have Like a key, a roadmap.
0: One of the things, sort of, about the closing in of the pagan community, because it feels more and more like you just, like, if you're a witch, you're in the witch bubble. If you're a druid, you're in the druid bubble. If you're a devotional polytheist, you're in the devotional polytheist bubble. One of the things I loved about my early life as a witch was that we didn't have those bubbles. We practiced with lots of different people. And that meant we had people in the OTO that we practiced with and did ship it. And, you know, every year in the spring, they would have their reading of the book of the law. And we would all go to that and they would read one chapter a night, you know, over certain nights. And the third chapter is kind of the most chilling. And it was just so cool to have these really different experiences, which were completely alien from Wicca. And it's there's so much richness when we get to do all of these different things. And it kind of makes me sad that it feels like we're losing that as we sort of drift apart as a bigger community.
1: Yeah, like I'm totally eye to eye with you on that. Um, and you can see that in my book. Um, I just love magic, you know. Um, right. It doesn't have to be a specific label or a specific um, – tradition, because even if you look at, you know, these people, if you look at Crowley, if you look at Gardner, like they were influenced by a bunch of separate different things, you know, Um, and I think magic is being sort of a mad scientist. And I think um, if we really want to evolve the craft and keep it advancing, we have to look outside of our bubbles.
0: Some of the best things I've ever read about magic are far from the witchcraft world. You know, one of them was even from the new age world, which will like horrify people. But, you know, it's it's the more that you research, the more you learn, the more you do, the better your craft will be long term. We're running out of time. We're almost like done. We do about an hour or so on the show. I know that you're writing another book. Can you tell us anything Mm -hmm. about the other book? (laughs) I'm writing two books right
1: now, oh. um, and, I start, and I started an uncontracted project as well. Um, so the second book, I'm still very mum's the word. What I am telling people is that it is uh, the other side of the coin of Psychic Witch. So it's um, very compatible, um, but very different. So it's a lot of the stuff that I wanted to put in the book, but because of word count, it just didn't work um it lost focus from the main point of the book and uh silver Ravenwolf's doing the forward which is like my oh. huge bragging point because um, it's like the first right. thing i did and that was my gateway into um, witchcraft and it's like fangirling yeah <laughs> yeah i would be jealous too like i'm so fucking proud of that um just magic at work um and then um the second book is a totally different direction Um, which is in its very, very early stages Um, and I have the person who has agreed to do the forward for that, which um, I'm even more secretive because it's even a bigger name than that
0: I I like that you are channeling Gerald Gardner from the dead to write the introduction to your book I think that's fabulous (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely um, no, I mean I think that's more of an Alexandrian thing. Um True. <laughs> like uh, true. what was what was that book? The um Voice in the Forest or whatever where they Yeah ap- the
0: channel supposedly
1: were talking yeah. 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 But Maxine vouched for it, so I mean maybe there's something to that.
0: Yeah.
1: Well I mean I think like I mean, she would of, she would know, right? Yeah, she. She wouldn't know before anyone else. But that's the thing that I'm talking about and what we're talking about. Like a lot of these, you know, witches outside of our community, they don't even know who Maxine Sanders is. They don't know who Alex Sanders is, you know? And like that's such important history.
0: Yeah, that, it just seems so odd to me. I mean, once I discovered the craft, I wanted to learn everything about it. I wanted to learn the history of it. I wanted to see the evolution right. of it. I wanted to read everything I possibly could read. While also doing as many spells as I possibly could, I wanted yeah. to, and I, yeah. I, I hope that curiosity keeps up and that other younger generations, you know, also adopt it. It's so I hope cool. so too. Yeah. So you're you're recently moved to California. What what do you think I of Yeah. Are you are you enjoying well, living in
1: California? I'm actually a California native, um, yeah. so it's good. I feel like I'm home again. Um, I'm looking forward to a winter without fucking snow. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can say the F word. We um, both without it any several snow. times at this point.
0: It's all, yeah. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm enjoying being here. Quarantine is weird, um, but I have lovely roommates, and the house is, um, you know, it's de- it's good size. It's not a small house. Um, but I do miss a lot of people from the East Coast, so hopefully after the pandemic and traveling opened up for me and those people, we can finally see each other again
0: A strange time to move that's for sure so yeah what what what's what's the biggest thing that you miss during shelter in place during covid nineteen
1: um i I miss interacting with people. Um, you know, I have three roommates, so, you know, I am not completely isolated. Um, but you know, it's, it's strange just not seeing people. And then when I am out, you know, for groceries or something like that, you know, you know, I'm wearing a mask and I'm trying to keep my distance and stuff of that nature. So hopefully we can get past this if people do wear their masks and social distance and don't listen to trump um and we can resume life as normal
0: i am i'm looking forward to seeing you in 2022 when this is all done and you know it, it can't come soon enough that's for sure uh if people want to learn more about you and your work where can they find out more about you and your work online
1: I am on all social media. Um, you can find me uh, the most active, actually, on Instagram and Twitter these days. But I'm also on Facebook, um, and you can also go to mattauryn.com, which is m-a-t-a-u-r-y-n.com, um, and that has links to everything.
0: Matt, including <laughs> not too. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm yeah. not Matt Tata, I'm Matt. Matt Tata. Matt, it's always <laughs> a pleasure talking to you. I miss you so much. You know, I know, I, I know you too. I heard you were moving out here, and you know, Ari and I, like, oh yeah, we'll just we'll drive up there, and then of course all this hit, and you know, you're you yeah, in our you guys,
1: box. Are, you guys are gonna get me drunk, and before I know it, I'm gonna be like a first degree gardenerian.
0: <laughs> it might even be a second. Who knows? <laughs> I <think> I'm playing... <laughs> You know, uh, thank you so much. There's like a couple. There's like a bunch of shit I didn't ask you about that I wanted to talk about, but that's just how it always goes. And hopefully uh, we can chat again. I mean, what else are we gonna do? We can't go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just good talking to you, so I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely miss you. Matt Oren was our guest tonight. I'm Jason. This has been witches, whiskey, and wit. The whiskey glass is about done. So before I say something stupid, it's probably best to end tonight's show. Thanks to Matt Oren, who is amazing, and I love Matt, and he's great, and you should go out and pick up Psychic Witch right now, find him online, support his Patreon, because Matt does a lot of really great work for our witch community. So thanks to Matt. I'll be back with a live show next week. I have guests that are booked in September. I don't have a lot of guests booked in August. so I can't tell you he'll be here next week, but I promise you it will be someone it'll be fun there'll be whiskey there might be wit there will be a witch thanks for listening we will see you next time it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win